Welcome to the Agile Canada Insider Podcast and to our special series that we are doing for the week of Agile Emphasis, where we focus on each of the sectors that Agile is working. Today, I have with me my very good friend and colleague, Michael Kirkby, who's going to speak with us on Agile's work in nutrition. Welcome, Michael. Thank you very much. Also, um, I'm happy to be back, but I'm also happy that you're back mm. because as our regular listeners probably know I've been hosting it for the last what, year. I'm sure doing a smashing job. Year and a half, something like that. Uh-huh. Um, so yes, I'm happy that you're back and you are now the host oh. again because you are an excellent host. So oh, thank you. It's great to be back as a guest. As a guest instead. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Michael. And you're also back from somewhere special. I, yes, I will uh, touch on that. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. We'll just put that little teaser yeah. in there. So we've worked together for a spell. Uh, yeah, oh, February will yep. be eight years of working together. And where did it go? I don't know. Time flies. But you have seniority over me. By two weeks, yeah. was it? Yeah, two whole lots weeks? of wisdom you have bestowed upon me in my roles oh, at course, yes. Canada. <laughs> so you right now, like you've, you've done various things at Adra Canada, mm-hmm. but right now you are the design and communications coordinator. That is correct. So what does that mean? mean? What does that look like for you? What it looks like for me is uh, essentially my main task is the design work. Mm -hmm. So if anybody's ever received a messenger with an advertisement in it or just anything that's Mm -hmm. address sent out, it has most likely passed through my hands at some point. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether I was the lead designer on it or whether I just looked it over to make sure that it was up to our standards, Mm -hmm. it's probably pass through my hands at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the main task that I do. Um, other things that I do are traveling to our projects to get stories and videos, pictures, um, as well as just uh, kind of being like the background um, person for some of our communications mm-hmm. um, materials and, and communications that go out. Uh, I'm involved in that as well. So was doing design and communications always your dream job? You know, it has become my dream job. Was it always my dream job? No. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of went through a phase through high school and then university, as, as many do, mm-hmm. where you, you're not sure what you want. And so everything that comes into your head becomes your dream job. Mm-hmm. Um, so in university, I actually had four majors that I switched out of and into. Um, landing on education, secondary education, mm-hmm. with an emphasis on uh, social studies and a minor in religion. And... I went through three years of that and did my practicum and realized I'm a terrible teacher. Um, And that is not just my opinion. That was the opinion of my professors as well. Oh, Um, dear. They they were very nice about how they said it, but it's what they said. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. So I left education, but at that time I was attending um, what was Canadian University College. Now Mm -hmm. is Berman University. And the summer that I realized that I didn't want to pursue teaching was the same summer that they introduced the International Studies Program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I transferred into that, and I, along with uh, one of my friends, became the first two graduates of the program from Berman University. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so at that, through university, I I'd went on an ADRA trip, and I had been more involved in, in mission work, and I knew I wanted to work for ADRA. Mm-hmm. I didn't know in what capacity or how. I just knew that I wanted to work at ADRA. Mm-hmm. And so I actually moved back to Ontario because I knew that ADRA was based in Ontario. I landed some jobs in Toronto and then found my way to ADRA. Mm-hmm. Uh, started as the communica- or the connections coordinator. Sorry. Right, yes. Uh, leading our, our 
uh, short-term mission trips and then saw the need for a designer and I had done yearbook in high school and in university so I had a little bit of experience but I trained myself and mm -hmm. kind of made a position for myself mm -hmm. and I've been loving it ever since. But you did have a brief stint where you flirted with doing programs work. I did, yes. Which is what you thought you wanted to do with yes. Andra, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, so that that is that is true. I um because I had the 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 degree in international studies, I, I thought that I wanted to be more involved in the program side of things mm -hmm. with the, the planning of the projects and, and the managing of the projects. And I s briefly transitioned into the program side of things. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, I have all respect for program managers and project managers and, and people that are on the program side of things. I am a creative Mm -hmm. And I, it's just not for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is what I learned. But I tried, and yeah. so I have to say that um, it was a, a very good learning experience. Yeah. But I switched back into the design side of things, and and our I department am. rejoiced. Yeah. Like we mourned when you left. We're like, how will we carry on without <laughs> Michael's skills, but also his presence? And right. then you came back on the universe was right again that that was one thing that i did notice about the program side uh -huh. is they're there because it's a lot of writing and a lot of thought and it's very quiet yeah and you're not and quiet. i'm not a quiet person. <laughs> they're like kirk me how did you describe me earlier the uh the, the resident goofball the, yeah there we go yes the, michael the brings goofball. the party well but also you i it's so clear that you love adra's work and that you find a lot of meaning in what ADRA does as an organization and you put a lot of devotion and commitment to the piece of it that you do and um, that's something I admire about you like you're fun and, and you are you lift us all up on hard days but like you also work very very hard and you're very good at what you do why thank you yeah so in your time at Adra, like you said you've done a lot of travel yes. gathering stories doing photos and videos you now fly a drone which mm -hmm. is really cool um so in all of those travels i'm sure you've done a lot of the projects focusing on nutrition and food security which yeah. is what you're here to yeah actually one of my first trips with Adra mm -hmm. was um, to Rwanda in 2015. Mm -hmm. And on that trip, I got the opportunity to visit our leaf project mm -hmm. and our Kuraneza project, which both were kitchen gardens. Mm -hmm. And the leaf project was just ending when I was there. And so it had been there for about four years at that point. And to see these lush green gardens in these people's homes and all the vegetables and fruits that they were eating from these gardens mm -hmm. that Adra had taught them to grow was really interesting and really exciting to see. And then to contrast it to the Curanesa project, which was just getting started mm. at the time, mm -hmm. and everything was dry and dusty, but you could see the starting of these gardens. And it, it was just interesting to go to this community that Adra had just started working mm -hmm. in and see these homes that were part of the project and their gardens were starting to really flourish and become productive. Mm -hmm. um, whereas the Leaf Project, not even just the Adra homes, but other homes had started using the same methods. Wow. So that was my first real experience with seeing these kitchen gardens. And since then, I've seen them throughout the world in different mm -hmm. parts of the world. Um, 
notably I've, I've seen them put to use in refugee camps which I thought was really that's amazing yeah it was it was very a very uh, cool experience yeah. to like be in refugee camps that like people have been in for long term and so they've started using kitchen gardens within the refugee camps that's and, wonderful sorry I'm just going to interrupt you because most of the time when we think about food in refugee camps it's distributions mm-hmm. right people are carrying big sacks of grains and, and tubs of oil and salt and whatnot but yeah many people end up there for years and years and years how much better to teach them yes to and and give them the inputs they need to grow their own food that's really cool yeah i love that and yeah so it's it's kind of been this recurring theme on my trips is that i I go to different countries and i i see these gardens that we've been teaching people how to grow and 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 provide for themselves Mm -hmm. i've seen it in cambodia i've seen it in laos i've seen it in um uganda and rwanda and it's it's always it's always so fascinating to see the different techniques that they use in every country, mm-hmm. um, but the results are always the same. Mm-hmm. These people are now able to eat delicious food, and and I believe you've also experienced it on your travel as well. To was it Mongolia? Yeah, Mongolia. That yeah. was that was a very interesting trip, and uh, the, these places you're mentioning, they're they're warmer climates, right? And perhaps there's areas that aren't very agricultural but at least the climate is warmer and so it seems like on the surface it might be easier to grow gardens there whereas in mongolia there are extremes in the temperatures the summers are very hot uh, the winters are very cold and very long and yet adra is is still there and has been there teaching them to grow their own food Mm-hmm. in greenhouses and using techniques like you said that are specific to that climate specific to that soil that context and they have large success like some of them are are to the point where they have formed official cooperatives right. so they're growing enough not only to feed their own families and enjoy health benefits that they've never enjoyed before from having a more balanced diet but they're also able to support their families now from these gardens and it was just amazing to see that and, and in mongolia um, especially in the more western more remote parts of the country mm-hmm. um the the regular diet was basically just meat was not yes and uh grains yeah um for a lot of them they said they'd never heard of these vegetables before right and uh, i was interviewing this one elderly couple they were so excited to show us their kitchen garden and all the different things they were growing and and they both cracked up laughing when they remembered the time that they harvested their first spinach and they called the program's team and they said, what do we do with these green leaves? <laughs> like, what are these even for? And, you know, now they know and they love them, but they, they very much remember how, how foreign it was to them and, and not knowing what to do with them. And, and they thought that was just so funny. And I, I love that, introducing these new and, and healthy foods, but in seed form that is resilient and able to grow and to thrive in that context. And now they even have seed banks, their own seed banks, where they save their own seeds. Um, so seeds don't have to continuously be imported for them to continue growing their own food. So it's just... It's really exciting to see that you is know, awesome. people in, in Mongolia, it was a lot of elderly people talking about how my knees used to hurt, but now that I have better nutrition, I'm out there in the garden every day and I don't hurt and I feel better. And I remember this one man saying that his, I forget if it was his grandkids or his kids, he couldn't harvest his carrots fast enough because they would rush out there and pull them straight from the garden, chow down on them. So it's really neat to see. Oh, all that's of that. awesome. Yeah. 
and it's it's so much more than just filling bellies Mm -hmm. like when we think nutrition like first thing you think of is oh these people are hungry and Mm -hmm. we need to make sure they're not hungry but like you were saying like people their health has improved and i noticed that in the countries that i've been to as well Mm -hmm. that they have learned how to make these these fruits or grow these vegetables and through that now their children no longer constantly have runny noses or or are constantly feeling unwell and, and can now or underweight or, or yeah. have skin conditions or just are lackluster mm-hmm. yeah yeah so yeah it's, it's really awesome to see all of the changes that happened and mm-hmm. and the way it spreads through the community when the other community members see oh like that person is doing really well mm-hmm. what is their secret mm-hmm. and then they see these lush green gardens or their lush green greenhouses in their backyard yeah. in Mongolia's case and yeah I want some of that and they start sharing this information amongst themselves well I want some of that Every right? time, every time you guys come back from those kinds of projects and, you know, Mongolia was my first and only nutrition project that I got to visit. But like, I want some of that. I want to learn these things. Right? I'm so envious of what they have with these convenient, organic, fresh, like garden to pot um, vegetables and fruits that they have available. For, it's like a dream. For, for the last few years, I've had a garden in my backyard. And I, I tried to use some of the things that I learned while on these trips. Mm-hmm. And then I just ended up having too much zucchini. So well, I helped you with that. Yes. And, I and also your it. kale. I loved that. <laughs> yeah, I, but, lots of kale chips. And the kale kept growing right up until, well, December, I mm-hmm. think, last year. It was, yeah. just kept going. So what I'm hearing is you need to come over to my house and plant a garden and teach me how to do what you do. I will try... So in talking about all of that, we have a video to show you that shares more about Adra's work in nutrition. Climate change poses a significant threat to millions of people, particularly the world's poor. Many communities are located in regions that are highly vulnerable to natural disasters and changing weather patterns that make food production more challenging. The Embrace Project is teaching parents the importance of providing nutritious, balanced meals for their children despite the climate or other environmental challenges. To help parents achieve this goal, ADRA is teaching them how to grow kitchen gardens right near their homes to provide a good variety of greens and vegetables. To help them get started, agricultural specialists train parents on how to prepare and enrich their new garden plots with natural fertilizers. They are shown how to select the optimal site for their garden to maximize exposure to the sun. Permaculture techniques, specifically designed for the local climate and growing conditions, help parents conserve water, extend their growing season, and get bigger harvests, even in dry climates. High-quality, drought-resistant seeds help ensure success. The kitchen garden has made a real change in our lives. 
Our farm is a 30-minute walk from our house, so it was never convenient to go pick something fresh for meals. We were only eating vegetables once or twice a week. Now with the kitchen garden, even if it is raining or it's dark out, I can just step outside and pick something for supper. We're eating fresh vegetables every day now. Embrace has taught us how to prepare balanced meals for our children. Since they started on the healthy diet, I have noticed that my children are a lot healthier. They have better appetites and they are gaining weight. Before joining Embrace, my baby girl was pale and skinny and not very active. She used to get sick a lot. Now when I cook, I use a lot of vegetables and greens. I no longer use much salt and have completely stopped using MSG. I used to cook for taste, but now I cook for good health. Since I started cooking nutritious meals, my girl's appetite has gotten much better. She has gained weight and is now brighter and happier. She hardly ever gets sick anymore. Organic kitchen gardens have transformed the lives of ADRA's Embrace Project participants. Even though the Embrace Project is ended, families living in remote regions of the Philippines, Cambodia, Rwanda, and Myanmar continue to thrive on the healthy food that they are able to grow just a few steps from their home. Welcome back. We are here today with my special guest, Michael Kirkby, talking about Adra's work in nutrition. The video and the experiences we've been sharing together have all been focusing on nutrition work in other countries. Yeah. But those are all, like I said, they're all international projects, but Adra is actually doing work here in Canada for nutrition as yes, well. Yes, especially and recently. Yeah. He, you recently came back from seeing some of that work in action. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I just got back from a trip uh, up to the far north, mm -hmm. north of the Arctic Circle, and to Nunavut. Wow. So this is a project, it's a, a fairly new project. Um, Adra's been working up there now for a little over a year. Mm -hmm. And in, in this project, we have been trying to vulnerable people in those communities with their nutrition. Mm -hmm. So does that mean like have better access to nutritious foods? Yeah, so mm -hmm. the, the, the project that we visited in uh, the, the community of Iglulik, we were handing out essentially gift cards mm -hmm. to the, the local grocery store. Mm -hmm. um, cost of groceries up there can be high. Mm -hmm. Having these gift cards is allowing them to buy more healthy food um, so that they can feed their family. So, so there are no direct roads there, there. There are no roads. There are no roads connecting Nunavut to the rest of Canada. The entire territory is isolated from Canada by road. Wow. And uh, it is, I believe, the largest territory in Canada, mm -hmm. um, but the entire territory has a population of only 40,000 people spread across 25 communities, wow. the largest of which is Iqaluit, mm -hmm. um, and in Iqaluit, it's the, it's the capital, and we also were able to do the gift card program in Iqaluit mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so the, the food in these communities, while the healthy food is subsidized by the government, mm -hmm. um, what we have found is 
the overall price is still much higher than mm -hmm. here. In, I'd imagine because just getting it there, yeah, the only and then way, fresh things expire much more quickly. Uh, yes, yeah. and, and that was one thing that I did notice. I went to the grocery store while I was in, in Igluluk and mm -hmm. there was a lot of vegetables. But in order to get it up there, they have to fly it up. Mm -hmm. um, and the flights can sometimes be delayed or canceled as what happened to me. A blizzard blew in so the plane couldn't get in for two or three days. Mm -hmm. And the food, it has to be shipped to Iqaluit first from either Ottawa or Edmonton or Winnipeg or kind mm -hmm. of the hubs where food comes into the territory. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it has to get on another plane and kind of do a milk run throughout the territory. Mm -hmm. And because of the transportation involved in it, all of the fresh vegetables end up being frozen. Mm. They, they freeze them so that they last a little bit longer, mm -hmm. which leads to once they defrost, they... They go bad much quicker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even in the grocery store that I went to, the like the cauliflower, for example, was completely brown. Mm. Uh, just because by the time it got there, it was old. Yeah, if you're at the end of the milk run, like you said. Yeah. Then... So it's and then the the cost of it, while not much higher than here, over, like the the costs add up, mm -hmm. and the cost of living up there is just higher in general, and yet the income is. So much lower. So much lower. Mm -hmm. So people are struggling to feed their families mm -hmm. and, and struggling to feed their families healthy, healthy meals. Food. It's a very traditional community. Mm -hmm. So they want to continue doing what they call their country food, mm -hmm. which is the, the food that they catch. Mm -hmm. the, the Inuit culture is to eat meats, mm -hmm. um, seal and, and caribou and ar arctic hare and arctic char and mm -hmm. fish and, and all, all of the things that they yeah. can catch up there. Yeah. Um, but the community also wants more vegetables. Mm -hmm. While I was there, I, I asked a few of the children, like, what is your favorite, what is your favorite food? And besides the, the country food, I was like, well, what is your favorite Southern food? Yeah. And it was always broccoli salad. They love broccoli salad. Broccoli salad. Yeah. So Interesting. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a thing that caught on up there. Yeah. So we're providing these to the lowest, uh, income yeah, homes I was gonna ask. Mm -hmm. so that they can then provide for themselves mm -hmm. so that they can afford to buy more vegetables and they can afford to buy more fruits to, mm -hmm. to help give them the vitamins and the, the nutrients that they need, especially through the winter months mm -hmm. where they need vitamin D because I was, isn't there. I was up there and the entire time I was up there, the sun never came up. So wow. the, in the summertime, the sun is up all day. Yeah. In the wintertime, the sun just doesn't come up. Yeah. It might skirt the horizon, but that's that's the most you get. Wow. So vitamin D deficiency is, is a big thing. Mm -hmm. um, and just the, 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 the need for the food, the, mm -hmm. the, veg, the healthy vegetables and healthy food and mm -hmm. diabetes has become a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, there's just a lot of compounding issues. Yeah. yeah. Um, and a lot of it comes down to the nutrition. Yeah in the community. The great thing about the grocery carts is that it gives the, each family the power of choice and the dignity that that brings, mm -hmm. right? They get to go to the store and buy the foods that their family needs and loves. You know, this family might have a child that actually is celiac and they can't have bread. Um, you ask those kids, what's your favorite? And I doubt very much you would have guessed broccoli salad. Right, yeah, I you didn't know? see that. I was expecting like cake or Doritos or, yeah. or just 
something not healthy because yes. well i have children and they would never say broccoli salad yes so if, ditto yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would not be their go-to and um it also broccoli is not i don't know i don't know it's not really a food you immediately think of that kids are like yay let me get yeah. some of that Hooray, broccoli so, yeah but then like what if there's a family whose children actually loves carrots instead and mm-hmm. and then they can go and get the carrots for their kids while those families over there can go and get the broccoli so I think that I, I just I love that piece that it, instead of a distribution like you get XYZ every family they get this it's healthy for you it's good for you you know we all recognize and understand that instead they can say okay we want to get healthy food mm-hmm. and we have these ones that we like so we're gonna go get the ones we like yeah that's really great there's a lot of opportunity up there mm-hmm. um, especially for address work mm-hmm. so um, I'm, I'm excited to see what the next steps will be mm-hmm. in the north yeah uh, there's so many communities uh, and there's so many so many people that would benefit so much from different programs and, and opportunities from ADRA mm-hmm. and uh, I'm just uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful and excited to see where this goes yeah same and, and I also want to point out that like our goal isn't to go up there and and convert them to no. all vegetables no um, we also are encouraging them to mm-hmm. continue to eat their country food mm-hmm. because that is that is what traditionally they mm-hmm, eat mm-hmm. and that is what is most plentiful yeah but this is supplementing it so yes. that they can get the the nutrients yes. and the vitamins from the vegetables yeah. as well as continue to eat their traditional country mm-hmm. food which also has its own set of nutrients for them as yes. well especially for their context yeah, yeah especially yeah. up north like in that uh, the whale blubbers beluga beluga yep okay i've never tried beluga but you didn't have to try that when you were up there uh no i did not you had to try something else yes um (laughs) one of the houses that i visited uh, i was interviewing the the lady that lived there and and while we were interviewing it smelled something cooking Mm -hmm. and there was this huge pot Mm -hmm. on the stove Uh and at the end of the interview i asked what are you cooking Mm -hmm. and just because i was curious and and I wanted to get some B-roll of her stirring the pot or whatever, but she was very adamant that I eat it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was caribou, mm. which um, is known in most of the world as reindeer. Mm-hmm. So, it's a nice Christmas dish for you. It was you. a very nice Christmas dish. <laughs> if only Rudolph could have taken me home when, I, when my flight was When you was were canceled. stranded for two days. Yeah. But yeah, so I had caribou and it was, uh, it was a, very, a very interesting experience. I was raised vegetarian, mm-hmm. so... Uh, she she was very very hospitable and very yeah. very excited for me to be there in her home and and really wanted me to try this caribou that she had had been boiling while I was talking to her and so I I tried some caribou good for you and yeah it was it's an experience I yeah. I got to go to the Arctic Circle and I got to eat caribou mm-hmm. so hey I. That's I complain amazing. about that so. so when you told me you were going and I was green with envy I thought oh he might offered some of the foods from up there yes and I thought if I were there would I eat it but then in that kind of circumstance where you've been welcomed into their home and she's so excited to share this and it's traditional food like how can you say no yeah so that's really neat that you got that experience yes that gastronomical experience yeah. I, I, I don't want to be rude and be like no no I don't want your no, food of so course not I accepted and uh, yeah it was it was a very very interesting experience and she was such such a, a lovely lady mm-hmm um and yeah it uh i hope that me being there could mm-hmm. establish a, a bond mm-hmm. um with the community a trust in in adra and yeah. it's 
true intentions. Yes. Like and you said, not to do any kind of converting to anything, just to reach out and help. Yeah where they would like it <laughs> yeah thank you so much michael for coming and sharing with us about adra's work in nutrition and and uh, the experience that you have there and the changes you've seen with your own eyes thank you for coming and being here with us thanks for uh having me mm -hmm. thanks for hosting you're welcome you did an absolutely fantastic you're job you're too kind and i'm very much looking forward to you hosting from here on out oh but maybe just maybe you can host it from Time to time. I'm For old to, time's sake. I'm happy to be a guest. Mm, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today for our Adra Insider podcast. I hope you'll meet us back tomorrow for the next episode in the special series for our week of Adra Emphasis, where my special guest is Peggy Caesar, and we'll be talking about Adra's work with people with disabilities. In the meantime, I invite you to go check out our website about the week of Adra Emphasis. There are all kinds of resources there and some very exciting events that are upcoming that you don't wanna miss. Thank you so much.